Welcome to Beautifully Naive. It's Teresa here. And today I'm very excited to welcome my good friend, Natalie Polson. Natalie spent 12 years of her career as an advocate for the right to education, traveling internationally, working with the Global Campaign for Education, and later the Global Partnership for Education to increase the aid that Canada gives to support the education systems in developing countries. She focused in particular on advocacy and financing for girls' education and creating space for a vibrant civil society. Today, Natalie's going to share with us why she, a highly educated professional, made the difficult decision two years ago to leave her career to spend her days with her sons and homeschool them. This was not an easy decision to make. There are so many factors that went into this choice, and today we're going to be exploring how much of our identity is tied into what we do for a living. And if we aren't making a living, who does that make us? Our culture has put most mothers in a position that whether we choose to work and have our children in childcare, or choose to stay home and educate ourselves, we somehow miss the mark in either direction. I heard a quote recently that captures this perfectly. Mothers are expected to work like they don't have children and raise children as if they don't work. Today, we are going to explore another option with Natalie here on Beautifully Naive. Hello, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning. Um, So today we're going to talk with Natalie about um, her big decision to transition from working in the career world to being at home and educating her kids, right? Huge decision. (laughs) Huge. Um, Yeah, so what were some of the messages that you kind of grew up with around how important having a career or a label was um, as opposed to being an at-home you know I mean I can't I don't feel like I can really pinpoint any specific messages I it there was never a question in my mind that I would go off and do grand things Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and you know the going off and doing grand things usually involves some kind of payment for those things Mm -hmm. Um, and I yeah it just really wasn't ever a question and it's not I didn't grow up in a family where everyone has a lot of degrees um on my mom's side of the family I'm the only graduate degree okay um so I didn't it's not like I felt like there was a lot of pressure from family Mm -hmm. um it was just kind of more of an internal drive but when I was reflecting on this question I had a memory of something that happened that was kind of interesting. Um, I was working part-time with little ones and someone from an organization that I really respected uh, and thought that they did great work. Some, they called and said, I'm going on maternity leave. Would you take my spot for a year? Okay. And I, the job was, you know, long hours and it was lots of travel and I became so angry at that moment because I suddenly felt like everything I had been told was a lie that 
this idea that we can do all the things that Mm -hmm. women can have, you know, the careers that they want and the families and be the perfect moms and all this. Mm -hmm. Have perfect hair. And have perfect hair and all the (laughs) gourmet meals. (laughs) Yeah. And I suddenly was incensed that I had been told all my life that I could do anything I wanted because I realized in that moment that it was a lie. Okay. And was this when you had kids? I had little kids. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, of course I could have taken that job and Mm -hmm. we would have figured it out, but lots of families make that choice. But in that moment, I did not feel like I had a choice. I didn't feel like it was an option for me. Right. And it made me so freaking mad (laughs) to think that I had gone through life, you know, expecting that I could have everything I wanted because that's what I'd been told. Yeah. And to realize that, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it comes down a lot to values, right? Like, you know, if for you, your values were different, that would have been a no brainer. Yeah. But because you value your relationship with your kids, your time, and it's like, it's limited, right? Before you know it, they're going to be off to school and you're going to have more space in your life. But that time where you can be fully integrated with them is short. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't see a way to make it happen with that particular job, knowing what the demands Mm. of the job was. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And interestingly, that woman went back from her maternity leave and then changed jobs. So she couldn't see a way to do it either. (laughs) That was what I was thinking. Like, she's not going to be able to come back to that job either, especially with a one-year-old. No, I don't think she lasted very long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So your influences were more like, did you feel like you had, like, did your mother work? My mom always worked. She stayed home mom. Yeah. Okay. She worked my whole life. I was a latchkey kid when I was, you know, fairly young, I think younger than my kids were ever alone on their own. Um, And that's not a judgment. That's just, you know, (laughs) let myself Yeah, it was the generational thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she always worked. I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of examples of stay-at-home moms. Most of my, um, my friends' moms also worked Mm -hmm. and it's just, yeah, nothing. I did. I never even considered it. It, I was always going to go off and do great things. Yeah. And I feel like our generation too, there was a huge push for girls to get out there, Yeah, get your science degree, get your math degree, get in there, be, you know, like get a career, get a profession as opposed to just a job. Um, yeah, I remember there being a big push for that. My parents, I didn't go to university. My parents were very angry at me because <laughs> that was the way. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of made you want to make the change and how long did you think about it before you actually took the plunge? Well, <clears throat> I mean, there are two different, there are two different questions. Um, one is about leaving my career and the other is the, mm-hmm. the decision to homeschool my kids. Right. Because I, of course, could have left my career and kept them in school and, and not, right. um, not been home with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, it was kind of a slow burn, really. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. I remember going back to work after my oldest son, Nolan, um, had been born. So when he was a year old and that, that first year back at work was very, very difficult professionally. Um, and I remember thinking every day, 
was this worth leaving him for? Was what right. was what I accomplished today worth leaving my son for? Oh, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I think that was probably the start of it. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, I think like a lot of women, um, I had young kids and I was experiencing a lot of burnout and, and trying to be all things to all people. And I found mm-hmm. a very supportive online community of moms, um, which was really very helpful at a time when I felt very isolated. Um, mm-hmm. But within that community, there were a whole bunch of homeschool moms. And I had never even really considered that as an option. But I looked at their lives, which not their social media lives, because we were in a space that was very kind of open and raw and honest. Um, So Mm -hmm. I knew that there were challenges, but it was very eye opening to me. And I thought, oh, man, I want that. I want that kind of relationship with my kids. I want that kind of community. I want that um, space to be creative and to be open to um, all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of like was just in the back of my head because it wasn't financially possible and I was doing exciting things at work and, but, but there was a new kind of vision an alternative vision for how life could be that I had never thought of before. And okay. work got increasingly, increasingly stressful. And, um, I kind of went through a period of real significant burnout and questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just sat down with my husband one day and said, listen, I, I think we need to talk about the finances because I, I really, um, there were some incidents at work that um, made me feel like I needed to take a breather, to feel like I needed to take a step back. And there were mm-hmm. also lots of things happening with the kids that I felt like um they weren't getting everything that I wanted to give them. It, it was just mm-hmm. it was like waking up every day or going to bed every day, feeling like everything you did was not enough. And I yeah. was tired of living. And the list of what you did do would have been well, pages long. Right. right? Yeah. And how can that feel like not enough? And it was, but it does, it was, it never felt like enough. And I felt I was exhausted and I just, felt like I was going through life on autopilot and mm-hmm. there were all of, and Oh, I realized in different conversations with the kids that they don't know what's in my heart or in my head. They really only see the things that we do. Mm. And so, you know, I can have very strong opinions about let's say environmental sustainability but if I'm always mm-hmm. driving to the grocery store or driving to run an errand because that's I don't have time to to walk or to ride the bike or to do whatever, and I'm rushing, rushing, yeah. rushing, well, that that's all they see. Yeah, mommy is, yeah mommy is, that modeling yeah. is very different. Yeah, exactly. We can have all kinds of wonderful commitments yeah. in words. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're modeling the life. So I just, I really felt strongly like the my inside wasn't matching my outside. The message that I, the messages that I was modeling for my kids about what was important didn't match with what I felt. And mm-hmm. I wanted to try to build a life of intention. 
And um, I'm not going to say I've been successful <laughs> three years later, but, <laughs> but it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was what spurred it on. It was all these little kind of, there wasn't like a big kind of moment. First, there was this recognition that there was a different way. And then, the, and there were lots of things going on with the kids where I felt they needed more support and, and just that feeling of being on autopilot and not living the life that I wanted to live. Now, can people do that without leaving their career or pulling their kids out of school? Can they build a life of intention? Absolutely. But that was what I identified as this is what I need to do to try to, you know, change tracks and be on a different journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you find that since you made the big choice that you find more flexibility, more forgiveness, or more play? in your life, like less rigidity, I guess maybe like being more intentional that you notice things more instead of being so locked in. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's a practice. It's a constant practice. Um, it is our, it is not my default setting. I spent, you know, 40 years in one way of thinking. And so, um, Mm -hmm. it, I have to step back all the time. Um, you know, I have to step back when I've got one kid behind the chair banging his head against the wall because of the math curriculum and the other one in tears. And, and, and you know, there's, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, we just got to get through this. This is just how we do, you know, it, yeah, this sucks, but mm-hmm. everyone come back. And, and another part of me that's like, yeah, yeah it's okay for us to step back and say, this curriculum's not working for us. We need to find something different. Or we don't need to finish this book because none of us are enjoying it. Or, I mean, there's a million things like that where I feel like um, I'm constantly having to remind myself, oh, the reason why we homeschool is so that we don't have to do things this way. (laughs) So why Mm -hmm. am I making us do things this way? (laughs) Step Mm -hmm. back, (laughs) reevaluate. why isn't this working what else could we try um and so there's I found that there's a lot of I need a lot of time for reflection um I need to like Mm -hmm. notice those feelings in my body when I'm like feeling like I need to dig in and then I think oh but why do why do I feel that way maybe this is Mm. the time to stop and reflect and then to give myself to give all of us permission to try something different or to not finish something because it's not working. And, and what is the value in, you know, just plowing through? Um, sometimes uh-huh. there is, but lots of times there isn't. So there's a lot of, yeah, I, I need to give myself permission a lot of times. It's not, yeah. it's not automatic. It wasn't a light switch that we changed our lives and then it so easily changed the way we did things. It's a, it's a constant practice. What? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just flip nope. a switch and then all of a sudden adjust the magic automatically. Yeah. So do you include them? Like if you're gonna, you know what, do you include them in a dialogue around that? We're really trying this. It's not working. Um, let's redirect. Or do you just adjust yourself and then like, is it more of an internal thing or is it like a, 
a family dynamics? It's both, but, but that family dynamic piece is part of the practice to remind myself, Oh, this isn't just my journey. So I had this grand vision for how our lives could be different and how Mm -hmm. our family could be different, how our learning could be different, but it was my vision. And I very quickly realized that the only way that it was actually going to work was it needed to be a negotiated vision. Um, It needed to be open for discussion. And so the times when I forget to have that external dialogue and bring them in on decision-making, that's when it continues to not work. (laughs) And that's when I need to step back and be like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Uh, We need to (laughs) here I am making us all do this stuff again. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have kids that go along to get along. That's not the nature of our family dynamic. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I need to constantly, it's one of the many things I need to remind myself is that, oh, this, this needs to be a conversation. This, this needs to be a negotiation if, if it's going to work because it can't just be my vision. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Then it just becomes like them going to school again, that someone else is making all the choices and they're just going yep. along. Um, so did you have any fears or like, what were your biggest fears around particular, particularly around leaving the working world? I, I didn't have strong fears. I had kind of already decided that if, you know, homeschooling didn't work out we had all agreed we would try it for a year and if it didn't work out that I would try to find something different I didn't want to return to the career that I had um and so I mean there are financial fears obviously it is so Mm -hmm. weird to not have quote-unquote my own money Um, I do spend money differently, even though I'm not, it's not something my husband and I discuss. He's never put that demand on me, but I do Mm -hmm. think, oh, you know, something I might've not really thought much about buying just because I wanted it. Um, I'll think twice about spending my parents' money, (laughs) which, you know, he would, he would never put those conditions on me, but, um, but I do anyway. Mm -hmm. Just your mentality has yeah. changed. Yeah. Especially after working and earning an income for a long time. And then there's, you know, in that traditional there's a fear sense. of what, what, what if something happened to him? I mean, millions of women, mm. this is, has been their fear throughout history. What if something happens to my spouse? Um, clearly, you know, I'm a highly educated professional. I could go back out into the world and, um, but, but it would, it would change things um, for sure. Mm-hmm. So so there's that fear and there is a kind of there's still a kind of struggle of well who am I now um Mm -hmm. and lots I can go long spaces of time without thinking about that or worrying about that but suddenly you are meeting new people not during a pandemic but before the pandemic (laughs) you're meeting new people or um yeah, chatting with people. And it's the question that everyone wants to know. It's, it's a kind of natural topic of conversation. What do you do? Uh, and uh-huh. um, before the pandemic, it felt very radical to say, well, I'm a homeschooler. Now it's, <laughs> now uh, everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, a lot more people for but sure. But you could see the light switch off in a lot of people's brains the minute that you say something like that and there are no follow-up questions. They're just like, oh, okay. Okay. It's, yeah. It's like people don't know what to yeah. do with that, eh? Yeah. And I have to admit, like, I am very, my identity is very much attached to what I yeah. do. I'm working very hard on detaching that because that will change. I won't always be doing the same thing and I need to know who I am. Um, but yeah, and it makes you think of like people who have never been able to work or, you know, or who have work, but physical that's not, or it's not a career for them. It's not like a passion. Exactly. Pursuit. It's just yeah, a job. Just a job. So yeah. Yeah. But it is a weird yeah. thing in our culture that we, our definition of ourself is so tied into the work that we do. And that's not who yeah. we are. Um, it's part of it, but yeah. I think the reasons yeah. why we chose the work that we do, if it is something that we're passionate about, if it is a career that we built towards that, those reasons are part of our identity, but the work itself is not. So I'm, yeah, there are other ways yeah. to, to live it out or to express it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't have like, super big fears uh, well no I do the biggest fear is that I've made a horrible decision and I'm ruining my children's lives but <laughs> no that's, that's just parenting you know, just that old thing yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't homeschool my son and I have those fears on a regular basis exactly. about what he's gonna be saying about me in therapy yes. one day <laughs> I, I have I have that. actually said to the kids before put it on the list for your therapist you're going to have one someday. Just write this down so you don't forget. Exactly. It'll be all the over things I overcompensated for what my parents did. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be complaining about the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So have there been any unexpected consequences? Like, has it affected your relationships with, you know, parent friends that you had before that are um or maybe friends that you had that were colleagues that like do you find that it's fractured any relationships that were unexpected or it hasn't really fractured any relationships Teresa you you've gone all oh there you're back now we had a little technical glitch um it hasn't fractured any relationships um well in a dramatic way there were lots of okay. schoolyard um, kind of friendships, acquaintances that I had that those just almost immediately fell away. Um, right. Just more yeah, casual. You know, talking to the other yeah. moms at school pickup and, and hanging out while the kids played. Um, I haven't had many people who thought, wow, this is a horrible decision and got super upset about it. Surprisingly, um, most people, except for maybe one or two exceptions, thought it was amazing uh, and super exciting. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. But I had a huge Mm -hmm. network of colleagues that I really enjoyed. Um, And I I get sad. I don't miss the work um, at all. Mm -hmm. But I get sad thinking of never seeing those people again. Um, Yeah. I get a little, you know, (laughs) I had a lot of let's go out for drinks in Paris or London or Brussels or Mm. Johannesburg or, you know, (laughs) 
in Dakar. Yeah. A quite exceptional experience. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. having all of those colleagues that I would only see in all of these different cities of the world where we would often kind of gather and be together. Um, it, it's, it's sad to not have that and think of that. And um, yeah, I miss them. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And it would be a little bit more challenging when you don't have that dedicated time. Like if you're away and you have an evening, that's time that you have access yeah. to. Whereas we're all here. Yeah, we're all, if you're not away for work, then yeah, it's hard. We're all here. We're all staying in hotels. Um, yeah. all, you know, working all day and getting together at night. And uh, sure, I stay in touch with several people on social media, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, is there anything else you'd like to share about your journey? Well, I think it's so wonderful, by the way, for you to share this with us. <laughs> with me. I'm happy to. Um, I mean, it's not a decision that everybody can make, and it's not a decision that's right for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll look back and it won't have been a decision that was right for me or for us, but right now, right now it still feels pretty good. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, I guess the only thing is, I I had a very, I grew up with a very deep sense of wanting to, um, well, really save the world, um, but to, to be places mm-hmm. and to witness things and to be a part of it. And I think the first time I can remember, um, probably it happened before this, but the first time that I can really remember being so overwhelmed with a need to participate and witness was during the Oka crisis, which I think I was in grade seven or grade eight. Um, mm-hmm. And then when, and then the Alaskan oil spill and I was so, I was so glued to that whole story and feeling the need to act and to do something um, that my mom actually was looking into mm-hmm. volunteer opportunities to get us to Alaska and then the Rodney King mm. riots and all of these moments that I was very young. I was still a teenager and I, I felt I need to be out in the world um, doing something. And that was really what drove, I think, a lot of my career choices um, to work in international mm-hmm. development and to, um, you know, I obviously wanted to see the world, but that can't just get paid to do that, unfortunately. Um, but to, to be a part of people's lives, to be a part of their stories, to see what the world is like and to try to make a difference somehow, I don't know what I thought I could really do, but, um, I did feel like Mm -hmm. I could do something. And then Mm -hmm. when I was going through this kind of crisis of who am I and I need to be home more and I, my family needs me. Um, and it was, there were moments of real crisis in this decision-making process, um, I was reading a, uh, I'm going to call him a philosopher. I don't know if he would call himself that, but a philosopher and author, Charles Eisenstein. And he has a, okay. a book. It's actually still sitting beside my bed. I think I've had it for like eight years. Um, the more, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. And there's a line in there that I've underlined about 17 mm-hmm. times where he just says, you know, we, we talk a lot in my world anyway about um thinking locally oh sorry thinking globally and acting locally 
And he says the most mm-hmm. local thing you can do is to focus on your connections, to, to focus mm-hmm. on the relationships that you have and make those, you know, the strongest that they can be. And, and I was just thinking about how I can go out in the world and, you know, try to make sure that um, all of all of the children of the world are educated because that's was the job that I had. Um, but I had to mm-hmm. leave my kids to do that. And I had to, um, you know, give less to my relationships to do that. And, and that's not to say that we shouldn't help people all over the world. I, I'm not, you know, borders are mm. a bit meaningless to me. Um, there's lots of debate about this and I could talk about it forever, but, but I really felt <laughs> like um, the contribution that I, that I could make now was to make my human beings <laughs> that I'm responsible for mm. um, amazing mm-hmm. ambassadors when I sent them out into the world ambassadors for the values that we have um as a family and they needed my time and attention for that so yeah i think that that is so beautiful well, it's not <laughs> i know you hate compliments it's not a... <laughs> it really is though i i feel the same way right like if you create generate love in your immediate circle and then you're immediate community and the greater community and those positive things yeah. ripple out as opposed to looking out and hoping it ripples well, you in. you just express it so much more eloquently right? than I did, like... but that's exactly the sentiment. That's exactly <laughs> the sentiment. Yeah. And I just, I always feel yeah. a little bit when I talk about my choices to leave my career or to homeschool my kids, I feel how I imagine vegans must feel talking about their food choices. It's <laughs> Or yeah, right? Like it's hard to talk about without sounding kind of sanctimonious. It, these are the choices that I made and they're not choices for everyone um, to make. It's not going to work for everyone. It's not right for everyone, but that was just my, yeah. that was my journey for how I got here, wherever here is right now. Yeah. Oh, I think it's so beautiful. And I think whenever I talk to it, talk to you about it. And even today, like it, it comes from this place of just wanting, like, it's not preachy. It's not like, you're just, you just want to try and that's it. Like, and how it goes, you accept and you roll with it and you redirect and you're honest with yourself about it. And you're honest with other people about it. You don't, you know, give this false sense of like, Oh my God, we wake up with rainbows (laughs) and like, Right? Because that's not it, right? That is real that sometimes everyone's having a meltdown. Mom's in the bathroom crying. No one's in the basement throwing a bubble. Like, whatever. This is the real. And you've never, like, I really appreciate that about you, that if there's always forward momentum, but it's not a straight line. And that's yeah. true for everything it's in life. super messy. Yeah. And I remember when I, yeah. you know, made my big announcement to the world that, that this was how we were changing our lives. And one of the things that I said was, I really wanted my kids to see that they could, um, they could meet life on their own terms. There is a way mm. that most people do things. It's not a bad way. Uh, we tried it. Um, we might go back to it. 
but there are other ways. And I wanted them to know that. I wanted them to know that, um, you know, you hear all these stories about kids who, for example, might have a severe learning disability and then go off and do great things when they've left Mm -hmm. school. Um, Because all of a sudden they Mm -hmm. realized they found a place to be who they are. And that's what I wanted for my kids. I wanted them to understand that there are different ways of being. Um, we lots of people don't understand yeah. that until they're in their say thirties or later. Um, but I'm super inspired yeah. by all of these stories of people who give up. I'm I'm really inspired by people who give up everything to go and do something different, to go and be someone different, who have this like mm. realization about who they are and find a path um, about that, that leads them to, to be their best selves. Um, not to sound too hokey, but yeah. So yeah, I think I, I wanted, I wanted to kind of, <laughs> does it sound ridiculous if I say gift that to my kids? I wanted to. <laughs> no, it is a gift. It is like for, to give them the gift of tapping in instead yeah. of looking out, and right. Just, uh, being able to find their space and, and, dive deep into their passions and and it's led us to weird places I mean we were up last night until 10 30 all of us making intestines out of liquid latex <laughs> so that the kids can Amazing. A horror movie. you know yep I love it not the art I love it a lot not the art I was thinking <laughs> we would all do when I decided to homeschool my kids and had this mm-hmm. grand vision but nonetheless here we are yep. making horror movies. But that's cool. <laughs> it's negotiated. That's right. We will look forward to the release. That's right. That's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Will there be a red carpet? I could probably pull that off. <laughs> amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing. I absolutely adore chatting with you always. And I think this is so awesome because like you giving yourself permission, we all need permission, right? So, and I hope by listening to this, it will help give someone permission to just tap into what they need and listen to that little voice and let it get louder and be playful in their life and not be afraid to make mistakes or take chances, which is exactly what you're doing. It is a giant social experiment, but thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm super excited to do this. I can't wait to hear yeah. all the other episodes. And yeah, it's going to be fun. This is yeah. this is my social experiment. It's a good one. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Bye. All right. We'll talk later. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you felt inspired or want to share it with a friend, that would be fantastic. You can also like and share, which is going to help get the word out. Hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time on Beautifully Naive.